Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, hi, this is Elijah Wood. This is Daniel Noah. And you are back for part two of our sit-down chat with these fine fellows. <laughs> awesome. You didn't even have to write it out, right? Yeah, sit down chat. Sit down chat. With these fine fellows. Yeah. <laughs> this is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Uh, Daniel. Okay, so uh, so continuing along the path of my traumas. Um, uh, so then, I guess, so in 1980, what year was Poltergeist? 82? 82. 82. So I would have been exactly 10. Um, uh, my stepfather, uh, I think in an effort to, you know, bond with me, <laughs> took me to see the rated PG film Poltergeist. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. <laughs> you are so unlucky. With their three children. <laughs> and something more. genuinely traumatized me it, like i i remember dropping all my candy and spilling it on the floor and and it, it stimulated a period of fear that lasted many 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 years exacerbated right? once he got into the business yeah <laughs> um where i you know i couldn't sleep alone i had you know every night i would wake up and i would have to go you know like at, at that by this point i had a younger brother i would like i would go sleep in his bunk bed i was so terrified um and and when uh, um i mean i i I'm, I, it's hard for me to overstate that it was a it was genuinely a traumatic experience and, yeah and, whenever you've talked about this it's pretty clear yeah. that it, it left a very <laughs> yeah hour. yeah like it, it 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 opened up a pandora's box of fear and imagination that that chased me for years and when i w- was an adult and i was in my early 20s i had i had avoided seeing the movie and uh, like you were saying earlier, you, you go back to these things sometimes and sometimes they're better and sometimes they're worse. And I remember I, a friend of mine brought the laser disc to, to get back to old formats. Oh, yeah. Still, I think the best <laughs> laser disc. Uh, <laughs> no, no, better than DVD. <laughs> better than DVD. Not for mm, image so. quality, but no. for sound quality. It, it had a filmic quality to it that DVD doesn't have. Hmm. But the that might, fucking but disc flip, man. The disc flips, the disc <laughs> flips a bummer. Anyway, uh, I remember... Like okay, I'm gonna watch. I I think it's time for me to watch Poltergeist. And it's you know I'm in my 20s. It's been you know it's been like 20 years, and uh, and I I sat down alone and and oh you sat down alone yeah alone. I wanted to confront uh. it by myself and and 
at night. And, um, and I remember really like my heart was, I'm an adult and I, I was, <laughs> my heart was pounding while I watched the film. And, and when I, when I watched it, I was flooded with all of these realizations about why that movie had upset me so much. And it was that I was living in a haunted house at the time. I was, you know, I was, it, it was more of a conceptual haunted house, but it was it was a house where there were a lot of complicated emotions, and sometimes uh, they were scary, and and they were it was hard to know when they were going to explode, and when you know sometimes they would be calm, and sometimes they would be volatile, and and uh, and and you know so whereas the seeing the Twilight Zone pilot provided me with a feeling of comfort by sh showing me you're not alone; other people have felt this way. Poltergeist maybe went too far <laughs> and, and it, it was too, you know, it was like a finger in a wound. Like it just, um, but, but I mean, I know, I mean, I think the movie's a masterpiece and, and, um, and, you know, now that I, once I broke the seal and rewatched it, I've now watched it many, many times and, mm. and revere it for all the reasons that it was so effective, yeah. you know, uh, you know, it, and, and you've heard me say many times, Elijah, we talk about this idea all the time that, you know, I've come to believe that ordinary people and poltergeist are basically the same movie. <laughs> they are they are movies about families that have demons that are that are screaming to be paid attention to and dealt with. One of them, they're literal, and one they're figurative. Mm -hmm. um, um, but they both are ultimately the same story of you know having to kind of face those demons and mm -hmm. and um, accept mm -hmm. certain losses and move on. Uh, and and. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Poltergeist is uh, a, a a tent pole kind of movie experience in my psyche for sure. Interesting, Joe, you're yeah. such a good listener. Lots of good, <laughs> it's a good story, well told. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm listening to you. Yeah. Well, I'm not facing you. Though. Oh, fine. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm sitting. I'm thinking about it. It's so funny. I, I've never gone back to it. Um, I saw it on a, a yeah, yeah. I, I saw it on a date, <clears throat> uh, mm -hmm. my first girlfriend right after high school. Mm -hmm. I'm going to name check her. Her name is Robin Epstein. We're still great friends and I've been trying to get her to listen to this fucking show forever. So now, Robin, I, can, now I can go your honor. You Robin, get her. your shit together. Well, That's Robin. right. Um, um, uh, it, I took her, she was not a horror person and she ran screaming at us. Is there a thing with chicken? Like yes. chicken comes to life or something like, it's like written, maggots. It's maggots over on the chicken. Oh yeah. yeah. And she runs screaming out of the theater. Not the guy picking his face off and the, no. isn't that around the, I, you know, and I remember there's something about that. Cause I, I was like, Oh, this is fun. Um, and then she's so affected by it. It mm. somehow exacerbated the divide between yeah. what the movie was intending and how I was reacting. Cause I'm enjoying it. It's not scaring the pants off me. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a million horror films at this point. Yeah. And yeah. I've never gone back cause somehow I, and I, I need to go back because I keep I've every time somebody brings it up, they talk about it with such love and as such a great film. And yeah, it's there's a new transfer of it on is it Shutter that it's on? Oh really? I think so. Oh well. Or it's I'm either that or Net now. or Netflix. <laughs> I just recently started watching it. Netflix. Really? It's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. okay. Um I think it's a if it's not a 4K, it's like uh, great. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, oh, it's, it's gorgeous. gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talking about seeing it on a date. I, I was listening to your uh, when you had Ileana on recently yes. she was talking about how you know, like early in a romantic relationship if you oh, share yeah. a favorite movie with someone and they don't respond right it just kills the yeah. relationship yeah. You know? that's <laughs> so true yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's your point. really yeah. funny <laughs> like, oh this is not gonna work <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure we've also talked you know my, my, my wife Nancy lovely lovely woman the light of my life just it's whether she doesn't like horror films yeah, yeah. Hey, my fiance like, doesn't either yeah Does she and 
In fact, she says, before I met you, I thought people who made that stuff were, there was something wrong with them. She's she's like, I didn't (laughs) understand why anyone would do that. And now she obviously understands it much. Lorraine Newman, I remember she had, she had some thoughts about that, which I thought were Lorraine Newman's a huge horror fan. And she she was on, she was on, she was wonderful. She said something and I, I like to think I'm enlightened and woke and I grew up reading feminist literature and writings and essays. And, and somehow this was so obvious and I felt like such a fucking idiot for not she goes, you know, a lot of women don't like horror films. Duh, fucking duh. Because, uh, 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 women are to, uh, uh, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't, can't even, even the ones where they get back, it's just, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, not, not that I had not noticed. Well, a certain aspect, kind of but, horror. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a fairy tale approach to women in horror films. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're the, the cliche of the, the woman running for the monster and she falls down. Right. Well, that's the that's the classic right. trope, yeah. trope that women really don't like. But also <laughs> I feel like a great many examples of of horror films with female protagonists that were socially very ahead of their time. Yeah. I mean d- dating way back. I mean, even this movie like um uh I mean maybe get the name wrong. Night of the Eagle. Is that the, the oh, witch the, the burn witch, burn, yeah. Burn, yeah, burn, yeah. Burn, 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 burn. I mean that that was a very, I mean, I know that was the 60s, but even Wait, though, but there's a lot cat, of female cat people, cat people, cat people. absolutely, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there are there are variations, there are deviations yeah. from the Rosemary's Baby, too. Rosemary's Baby, sure. well, she's but no, she's very much the innocent, terrorized, the innocent. In she yeah. is, but it's yeah. not in that kind of um, that cliched sexist way that happened in a lot in the 70s and 80s. They do throw her down and put a baby in her. Well, that's the plot. That is the yeah. plot. Yeah, <laughs> but that's exactly. But I, don't, I mean, I, hear that. I mean, you know, obviously now with all the Polanski stuff, we maybe view th- these films through a different lens. But certainly, I know you know Rosemary's Baby and Repulsion yeah. meant a great deal to a well, great many women. Oh no, time. for sure. That's of because you know. that's because they're perfect horror films. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they, but I think that they, ironically, given all the stuff about Polanski, now that's so controversial is that they captured a. Feminine, a female experience in a sure. way that a lot of women felt like they weren't seeing anywhere right. else. Mm-hmm. Probably because women weren't allowed to make movies. But yeah. you know, I mean, those two films in particular, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're I, you know, I know some women for whom they're like desert island, like important. Yeah, I know, absolutely, you know? for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I love what Bill Hader said about that. So we talked about plays and Woody Allen a little bit. He goes, "Hey, I, I didn't know it when I saw those movies." Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm going to, yeah. Well, but to... I think that, but the argument is now you do know it, so you can't watch them. Right? No, I yeah, that's which is bullshit. Well, look, I think it's a complicated thing so because if you if you start going down that road, yeah. then no more of Wagner. Start. We'll start making a pretty yeah. massive list of yeah. artists, both yeah. you know, in, in whatever discipline that you want. Well, even worse, to, that think about what's left. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but through but yeah. through history, I mean, you'd have to make a pretty massive list of stuff that you yes. wouldn't be able to enjoy anymore. So I don't know. Correct. Seems a little silly. Separate but, the artist from their. Separate the work from the jerk. There you go. Uh, Elijah. Um, okay. Uh, Halloween. Oh yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, uh, it's a benchmark for a lot of people. But Halloween, I don't even remember. Rob Zombie, right? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but I I don't remember when I saw it. It's a thing that has been. It feels like it's a part of my DNA. Um, I must have been pre ten or eleven when I saw it, and I fell in love with it then. And it's just this thing that I keep going back to. I think I've seen that movie as much as I've seen anything else, probably more. 
and it gives me a, a a warm feeling. I feel it's I think it's a mixture of nostalgia and maybe a connection to my youth and childhood in a way that I'm not mm. aware of because mm-hmm. it's so inexorably connected to that. We also have to admire the the perfection of it. It's that it's that too. Yeah. It's the it's the filmmaking um I, you know <laughs> that I pour over every time I watch and I'm still in awe of it after all these years. Um it was the first movie that I saw at the Alamo Draft House, uh-huh. at the very first Alamo Draft oh, House location. It, you hadn't seen it until then? No, no, no I'd seen it. Oh, oh, oh. It I'd seen it, it, but it was there. the first film it. I'd seen at the got Draft it. House. So when the Draft House was on Colorado Street, the very first location in Austin, um, I was in town working on the faculty, and there was a screening of, of Halloween on 35. So I got Whoa. to go see it in a theater. I'd never seen it in a theater before. Oh, wow. Which was just... So you'd never seen it in Sculpt? No. No? <clears throat> wow. That's right. Wow. Yeah, it was always like a rental or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that movie, that movie also, I think, is it's such a great starter film. I recommend it to a lot of people who have never seen horror movies before yeah. as something to see early because it it it's it started, it was before the horror film cliches and, and the slasher cliches of the 80s. It sort of established those things. Yeah. So it was still pure. But the filmmaking is so great and it's it's I don't know it's very simple, it's just an effective, great, beautiful movie. Yeah, I, th- I think I've t- you know I I had I took a couple years break from horror films when I was a kid. Uh, my dad was perfectly happy to take me to all these wildly inappropriate things. I just remember <laughs> one time just like having nightmares about some really banal movie I'd mm. seen. It like Daddy, no more. And a couple years went by, and I remember I'd read about Halloween it just come out, <laughs> and and it was showing at the Sam Eric Theater on Walnut Street or on Chestnut Street in Philadelphia. And, mm. So I was walking out of school and, and I was like, ah, I'm just going to go see it. There's something about it. I was like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Yeah. And holy shit, it was just, yeah, I mean, I, in theaters, first release. And I remember Score, there were three girls sitting in front of me who were just losing their minds. And every now and then I'd just lean over and go, boo. Yeah. Skyrocket. <laughs> and it was, but yeah, that score. Jesus. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, like talking about it, I, I honestly can't, I can't put it into kind of any chronological order. I feel like I've always known the theme song. I can go up to yeah. a piano and play it. Yeah. I, it. It is in my DNA. Yeah, I don't know how to describe that. That's it amazing. just is yeah. there. There's a great Ice T track off an album about 15 years ago that he sampled. That did it's he? A terrifying song about life in prison Ooh. called "The Tower." Oh it's God. really, really creepy and beautifully used. Wow, cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's such a. Uh, I is it possible? I guess you know, like you don't know it's possible until somebody does it. But I'm movies like that. I'm like he just created this very simple thing. That just changed all the rules. Yeah. yeah. And, it, but it's so pure and so simple. Like, can you make a movie that simple that succeeds anymore? And obviously the answer is who knows until it's someone does it. Until someone does it. Yeah. Yeah. And great credit goes to Deborah Hill on that too. Oh, and, yeah. And I mean, Absolutely. his early career is yeah. with two of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's that thing of you'll, you'll see it when you see it. I think it's possible. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the, the simplest ideas are are the best yeah. executed simply and gracefully crazy guy in a mask chases babysitter through house. Well, and it's all timing, isn't it? It's, it is it's like, you know, yeah. the, the, a, a particular person with a particular experience and a particular thought makes a particular thing at a particular yeah. time. And then and it connects and it becomes, and it changes things. But it, I always find like Halloween and night of the living dead, both to me are fascinating in that they both basically, although they didn't necessarily invent it, they birthed a genre that won't, die mm. yeah. zombies and slasher films and neither was intended that way 
So you yeah. know, Romero says zombie. Well, what the hell is that? I, you know, he that was a mm. name they ascribed. Well, by the way, and neither of them were really the first. They weren't the to first. do either, yeah. but they were <clears throat> distilling stuff from other movies yeah. that had not been as intentional. Yes. Yeah. Well, but and then you know, as we all know, that Carpenter had conceived of the Halloween franchise as being a whole different, a different right, genre movie every year. year. Halloween. Well, a, a, yeah, every, not not a, a Mike yeah. Myers story, but yeah. a different. Well, not even a slasher movie. Yeah. Season of the Witch, it, it, which is love, I, one of my favorites. I think Halloween Three is incredible. It's incredible, incredible. I, I wish he'd been able to do what he wanted to do. I know, me too. Yeah, and also the the thing about the holiday, I think that's also why yeah. connecting. Sure, I, I was, sure, a, sure. you know, kids. It's, it's love, the most popular holiday. It's it is it it's really? always been wow. one of More my favorites, uh, merchandise wise. Really? Wow! Oh, wow, that's amazing. We've seen all those pop up Halloween stories. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, everybody's favorite holiday. Yeah, and also the writing of the of the characters. Laurie Strode is such a an intelligent, independent. Oh, back mm-hmm. to the women and yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's still she's still so incredible in that movie. Anyway, I can yeah. talk about that movie for hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel. Okay, you're, you're next. So next, I I I I had to do. I couldn't choose between two, so I'm. Tethering them together because they're very similar. Cheating. Cheating. There's a lot of cheating. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, there is actually. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm going to fast forward to being being a grown up. Um. And, uh. I, I've survived my childhood and uh, um. Sort of. I saw two movies around the same time. I sort of survived my <laughs> yeah. childhood. Uh, the best anyone can say. Right. Really. Exactly. Uh, they, they were both older films that I discovered <clears throat> late, and they were Seconds and oh, yeah. The Swimmer. Um. Now. The Swimmer is not a horror film. <laughs> I'm getting puzzled looks. No, no I, I uh, love both of those films. Yeah, wasn't Ileana very big on the Swimmer? Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, that, but that, I'm not. That, that's fine. It's not. It's yeah. a, but but I'm the Swimmer really as a as a horror film. I no, I actually want to well, hear I, this because I yeah, love the film. I'm not necessarily making a case for it as a horror film, but, but I, there's something that has a almost, nightmare quality. Yeah, to it, especially yeah. the end. I mean, yep. you could. I oh, think the end. The, yeah, the movie is the secret of the movie is it's a dream, of course, um, that turns into a nightmare. I've end. never seen it. It is. Oh it's, my god! I want to watch it with you. Yeah, it's so amazing. You love Seconds too, right? Which yeah. we watch. Oh, yeah. it's incredible. But they're both sort of, you know, they're both stories of they're both midlife crisis stories, um, or really actually late life crisis stories because they're both older men. Um, they're not not neither is middle aged, but um, you know they they both have a fantastical quality to mm. them. Um, uh, so seconds is, you know, Frankenheimer's film, uh, rock. It's an, I'm forgetting the name of the actor. Now. John Randolph. John, John Randolph, Randolph. Right. Yes. Uh, is, is an older man who, uh, leaves his wife to, uh, go to a service that puts you into a younger body so that you can have a second chance at life. Um, which is a very dopey hammy kind of idea that even as I pitch it, it sounds dopey. But um, it, for our younger it, listeners, Google John Randolph and Google Rock Hudson. Yeah. Because John Randolph becomes Rock Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Rock, you know, I mean, there's so many layers of complexity to Rock, Rock Hudson's performance in yeah. that film. He's it's amazing. In that he's, film. It's, it's, yeah. It is, I mean, I think no one would argue that he was better in any movie ever. I mean, no, it's, it's, yeah, his yeah. It's, it is his best performance by far. Um, uh, um, so that movie ha- just is absolutely, to this day, it haunts me and I watch it over and over. And the same with The Swimmer, but they both captured, I think for me, uh, you know, I, as a person and as a writer uh, and as now as a producer, I've always been drawn to um, stories that allow men to deal with vulnerabilities openly because I think that's something that is you know, difficult in our culture. It was something I was encouraged to do by 
very strong women I was raised by and a very sweet, sensitive grandfather. Um, so, so, uh, you know, for, for, as a very, as a very highly emotional man, it's all, you know, it's been often a struggle for me in my life to know where those emotions live in a Mm. world that doesn't necessarily invite you to be emotional when you're a man. Um, so I think seeing those films was very impactful for me because it, again, it showed me like all the films I've mentioned, I'm not alone. There are others out here who are grappling with these issues and working them out through these movies. Um, so those are my number four. Yeah, it's a weirdly <laughs> compelling double feature, actually. It, As you said it, I'm like similar. They're, they're yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah, and even even um, uh, and they're also sort of they're both from that kind of uh, the the Don Draper era, if you will. Yeah, mm, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Burt Lancaster in The Swimmer is in a tiny speedo. The entire movie. Movie. Yeah. The entire movie. <laughs> it's yeah. all dream logic. The cops based on department. John Tree. That was so yeah. easy. It's based on a Cheever story, and is, the the plot of the story is it's about a man in a suburb, an affluent suburb in Connecticut, who decides he's gonna he's trying to go home. There's like no, I don't even think there's any explanation as to like why he's not home or why he's no. wearing a speedo, and he's gonna do it by swimming through the swimming pool oh, of every right. house in the yeah, every house in the community, and everyone he ducks into, he kind of dips into a little. Interact, like a little mini like young that's joan, young joan rivers you've seen it no but oh, it's just oh. an incredible premise it's totally weird it's yeah. totally weird it's, and he meets and so different characters different along the way worlds that he enters yeah. by yeah. way of their pool and yard and that's each one incredible. is like a dream and young each... joan rivers i believe isn't uh does william daniels show up he should if he doesn't um, <laughs> I don't see that. and frank perry it's a frank, frank perry. perry well frank perry yeah. and and Cindy oh. pollock oh really oh wow i don't think i knew that uh frank perry got bounced Oh, really? And, and City Pollock finished it. But he wrote it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes all kinds of sense. Yeah. You can feel, it feels like a Pollock. Wow. That is so interesting. Beautifully it's shot. Beautifully though. shot. Yeah. And totally surrealistic and weird. Yeah. And then, you know. Does he get home? I don't want to. I don't want to spoil The end is great. The ending is. The ending is, great. The ending is, well, the ending is incredible. incredible. Oh, my yes. God. Wow. Oh, I'm, yeah. God, I. Yeah, you'll love. I'm gonna watch it tonight. Yeah, (laughs) that's incredible. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's great. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, that's that's an ancient. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Top Uh, number number four. I can't. I can't. Uh, The Vanishing. Oh yeah, the original. original. Yeah, yeah, the original. Not Um, not the remake. (laughs) Not the remake. Uh, The original is almost always better than the remake. It's funny. Yeah, there are a few, but not a few. There are a few. I mean, you know, The Wizard of Oz was a remake. The Maltese Falcon was a remake. Maltese I mean, there, there are a lot of good remakes. But in the case of particularly foreign films that are remade as uh, English-speaking films. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, um, they rarely have great results. Yeah. And it's bizarre because that it's it was re- it was remade by the same. They've filmmaker. done it a few times. Yeah, didn't well, Haneke remade uh, Funny Game. Yeah, that was shot for shot, which was yeah. very yeah. strange. Which is That's a, well, I would say Insomnia was probably better. The Christopher Nolan, I although the original, see, I like them both. Good too. I like them both. Who's the original? Who directed it? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, some Swede. Yeah, some Scandinavian guy. No, <laughs> God, they're uh, Swedes. I'm sure he's like, hey, Swedes, some place of, of no light yeah. in the Swedes. Let's do it. We can do that. We can what? do Swedes. I mean, I'm half Swedish, so I'm allowed to say this. But yes, yeah, oh, you could. Yeah, you can bag on Swedes. <laughs> Fucking well, Swedes. Fucking Swedes. <laughs> everyone hates me for this, but I, I think Let Me In is better than Let the Right One In. You are like, oh, listen, no, wow. no disrespect to Matt Reeves because I think that he made that it's movie a great with, film. Yes. with great reverence and love for the yeah, but you're I, banished. I agree because Daniel. I wasn't too t- 
taken with the original. You agree with me? Oh, no. God. Oh, wow. This is going to devolve into an argument. Wow. I just don't want it to go there. Here's the sad thing. This is the day the two-way podcast fell apart over, over creative differences. I love both films. I love Let the Right One In, but I, I can't the say that I corrected all the errors, the flaws of the oh, original. Look, I think it does things. Uh, he's right. I think, I <laughs> think you. that the movie that Matt Reeves' film does things that improve upon. Yes. Okay. But this is because he was he was he was adapting the novel, so there are yeah. things that didn't make it into right. the original adaptation. Yeah. Right. That are integral to the storytelling, which I think is very a, interesting. Which I think is a great way to approach a remake. Yeah. I mean, when when you look at when you look at Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And then you look at Heaven Can Wait. Right. It's a oh, yeah. it's a very very totally clever different. remake. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and the first movie is still wonderful. Yeah, right. But it's it's of its time. Yeah, and, and this movie is is of its time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I could talk about that those two for a while. But um, yeah. So the vanishing, the the vanishing. The reason I I chose that is it was kind of I was a teenager when I saw it, and it was the first time that I was. It, it, it sort of represents to me when I think of it in my memory. It's the it was the first time I started watching movies that were of the horror genre that were not in English mm-hmm. and that were being recommended probably by a video store. It may have yeah. even been rented from Vidiots. So I was entering into this realm, um, living in Los Angeles, where I was suddenly exposed to all of these kinds of films that I wouldn't normally have been exposed to in a Cineplex or on television or on HBO or otherwise. Um, and The Vanishing is a really, really, it's a, it's a standout of example of that. Um, and a deeply disturbing film. So yeah. disturbing. Yeah. This thing of it's a it's a mo- it's a film in two parts too. I love the structure of it where you're with the couple at the beginning of the film yeah. and that terrifying scene that is so innocuous. Gas station. Yeah. At the gas station. Where yeah. she literally disappears and he's just he stays around and the the, the sun's going down and he's asking people. And it is so Ugh. viscerally terrifying and you can imagine what that would feel like. And then the perspective shifts and you're with the killer for the rest yeah. of the movie. And you, you re-experience that scene yeah. again. It's just such a beautifully constructed movie from two different perspectives of, of essentially a, a, you know, a sort of serial murderer. Yeah. Um, who's also very clever. His yeah. whole thing of putting on the um, the fake cast and talking to people to get what he wants. It's just, that movie has stuck with me. And and it it introduced me to the notion of exploring, you know, various other yeah. countries and it just yeah. exploring genre around the world and getting into cinema in general. I think the genius of that Love movie that is film. that it does, as you just said, like it, 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 it invites you to identify with both sides yes. of the conflict yep. and, yeah and you know i mean i know for me like uh, i you know the idea of I, I, every time my my fiance or my daughter are not with me i am there's some part of me that's like i wish i were there to make sure make they're sure they're safe. okay yeah yeah and so yeah. That, like that is just such a common yeah thing of like you know you they're out of your sight and something happens it's like i think this is such a nightmare but then the guy the the killer's thing about like you know well who says i can't jump off the balcony i remember having thoughts like that as a kid yeah you know what what if i just do the thing they say is impossible so then now now i'm on his team at the same time and that's just as you start short-circuiting it's a it's a yeah it's a psychologically fascinating movie too because they don't this villain isn't is not do i need to move closer to the mic a word word. (laughs) uh this villain is not 
portrayed in a way that we're used to seeing murderers portrayed. He's yeah. dopey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's dopey. He's yeah. nerdy yeah. and kind of fumbly. Yeah. And <laughs> that is, yeah. all, it's, it makes it that much more chilling. Mm-hmm. And that ending, mm-hmm. that ending is that, man. so horrifying. Perfect. I wonder, it yeah. just because so the remake does not, sadly, capture it. But I was just thinking of a, a film that, I don't know if it was intentional or not, that did sort of tap into at least the first part, that, that sense of just that horror of just that person disappearing uh, was, was a breakdown. Oh, breakdowns! Which I don't that, think I've seen breakdowns. Oh, so Kurt, Kurt Russell. Oh God, um, right. Yeah, yeah, and just his wife disappears, and, and on the road. It, oh, it, right. it captures yeah. that same kind of emotional, just that yeah. that gaping hole of horror. That just what can you about, do? It's like it's just the world looks exactly the way it did a minute ago. Yeah, but, but she's gone. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, again, not not. I'm, I have no idea if they're even aware of the vanishing. It was ten years later. I'm there's, sure they. There's know. another. There's They've another. Done that a lot. The forgotten. Remember that? Yeah. Million more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's another great movie that I feel had to have been inspired. Um, it was a French film called With a Friend Like Harry. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had a, that character, that protagonist sure. villain is very similar sure. to the villain yeah. from yeah. The Vanishing. He's almost but comical, but he's... Yeah, but yeah. that's sort of like infiltrating the family. It's a great, mm-hmm. disturbing a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That family that moves to France, they're fixing up their house yeah. and invites him over yeah. and he just ingratiates. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So disturbing. Kind of funny, kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, so Number my 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 fifth and final film. Whoa. Um uh and then we have a little surprise for you too. Oh, well. Hey. Um <laughs> it's a visual, is that okay? <laughs> um, of course uh, you brought a video. <laughs> uh so uh I was uh in New York on September 11th. Um I was downtown. Uh so I experienced the whole thing like as a participant um and you know for those of us was anyone else there here yeah. i flew out that morning You've, oh, you know God. my story we should tell your story where if, i got if you want to ah. yes okay well we'll get there in a minute i yeah. was i was on the uh, i was here on the phone with my girlfriend whose mother worked in one of the towers oh god and and who ended up being one of the last people to get out but that was oh, the whole day was waiting to find out okay. if that yeah, yeah. Was, well do you want you want to tell your story? no no you because this is no. a perfect time no, no, you're telling your you're, story. But it's such a good moment. To, oh, I, well, I, f- I flew out that morning. Um, I was in New York for like a couple of days, and uh, we, it was a, f- it was a uh, like an eight thirty a.m. flight out of Newark, and we took off. And there were people that could see the burning buildings. I didn't actually see them. I didn't look out and see them, but other people did. And while we were in the air. So while we we took off the one of the the first plane hit oh. while we were in the air, and twenty minutes into the flight, the pilot came on and and made an announcement and said, "Ah, uh, what was it? I have I have something to say. I just want you to know that we're not targeted. We're safe, but there are, there are terrorists that have taken over planes." Tells this to us, and he says. Uh, he comes back on later and he, he sort of reiterates the same thing and he says the FAA has asked all planes to land 
which is the next piece of like elevated information because you're like, okay, there's terror. Oh, we're not, we're not targeted. Okay, you're trying to like parse all yeah, the information. It's escalating. Yeah, yeah, and then the FAA has asked all planes to land. Whoa, this is a countrywide yeah. thing. Like something very serious is happening. But that's all the information we're given. With nothing else. You're on a plane. And and then he said we're landing. We're gonna we're gonna land in Cincinnati. Uh, we're gr- we're grounding the plane. Um, oh wow. And then we landed. We they kept us on the plane for about an hour. Um, and then had I didn't have a cell phone at the time, so people were just passing cell phones around so everybody could call their family. And I called my family, and of course they'd been watching this whole thing transpire. I had no idea what was going on. So I'm hearing about it for the first time on the phone to my family. There's this gasp of relief because they thought yeah. they had no idea where I was for two and a half. Did they know you were flying? Hours, yeah, oh, yeah, from New York. I yeah. mean, like, and to hear that sigh of relief from my mom was the most yeah. horrifying thing to hear. I mean, it was, it was beautiful, but it was also just like I don't want her to have to. Yeah. I, I knew that she'd been worrying for yeah. two and a half hours. Yeah. Which was just the most awful thing. Um, but that. You know, I then hear what has happened, and then we all get off the plane. They give us vouchers for, like, a hotel or whatever. Um, I stupidly, because I didn't have a phone, so many people jumped on renting cars, and so many people jumped on on getting on a train. So the trains were booked. Cars were gone. So I, I was like, I mean, I just want to get home. But I was stuck in, in Cincinnati for about a, about a week. And I went to a hotel wow. on the border, because um, the border is Kentucky. Oh, sure, because they didn't. Start letting people fly for right, yeah. yeah no, the planes they didn't. Right, it was yeah. about a week until yeah. until the planes were allowed to fly again. So then yeah. I went across the border to a, a small like motel in in Kentucky, got some pizza. I didn't have any money. My mom wired me um, wired me money because I didn't have like an ATM card. I didn't. I don't think I had a credit card. Yeah, it was yeah. And then um, I I remember I got a, I had enough money to get a pizza, get the room, and then I just sat and watched the television. Well, wait, wait, no, that's not even the story that I meant. Oh, the, right. so, so then, oh, you're, okay. So then years, years pass. Oh, that was good. So years pass. Well, I suppose it provides context. It does. Uh, and I was working on a film called Maniac, the remake of the, of yes. the Lustig film. And then um, we were on set and this girl that was, that was acting in the film, she said, hey, I, I, um, I used to work for airlines and I have a friend that works for American Airlines. I think that's the airline it was maybe and she said um she knew you were on that on a plane on 9-11 i was like yes i was and she said uh, my friend said that she's absolutely sure that there were terrorists on your plane according to her and that because the faa grounded the planes those guys dispersed or whatever and deboarded and nothing ever happened Wow. But, I mean, who knows if that's true? I mean, there was obviously a lot of rumors going on at that time. Yeah. I mean, the initial reporting yeah. was that there were more planes yeah. than the planes that ended up crashing, that it was like right. all over the U.S. And then that diminished and diminished down to nothing. So who really knows? Yeah, um, I gotta, yeah that, whenever I want to remind myself thought, that but I was you know. capable of being an absolute imbecile as anybody else, I remember that I spent half the day convinced that the next target was going to be the Hollywood sign, which I live near. I was like, they're going to, yeah, get, they're going to come yeah, get yeah, of course. As That's though, symbol, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm flying an airplane to the Hollywood sign. Like, like, gives a symbol. shit. It was just like, it's like a big thing of dust flying in the air. Like nothing yeah. really would happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You could probably just go up there with a hammer and take it out. Anyway, um, yeah. All right. So, so anyway, so my, so, uh, so my version of that day was, yeah, 
uh, uh, it was far more horrifying. You were in the center. Well, it was at the time. Yours yeah. retrospective retroactively is more terrifying. But uh, so you know, it was it was a it was an incredible trauma, and and you know, I could probably fill a whole podcast with describing that day and the surreal, strange things that I saw, because it was almost kind of like society itself was breaking down. It was like Lord of the Flies. I remember when I finally finally had the courage to leave my apartment. The very first thing I saw was two maybe like 18-year-old boys who were in the middle of the street with no shoes and socks on just gleefully throwing a football. Oh, yeah. Um, it was just like lunacy, lunacy. Anyway, um, it was an incredibly traumatic event, and I had, like so many who were there, I legitimately had PTSD. I mean, for years, anytime I heard a, a plane, like a low-flying plane, my whole body would. Oh, God, yeah, up. of course. Um, but uh, about two weeks later, Jeepers Creepers opened. <laughs> and it was the first movie that I went to see after 9-11. And uh, it terrified me, like, a, like on a really? level that didn't really make sense. And uh, uh, that night I went home and I, I was tormented by dreams of the creeper. I would dreamt that he was pursuing me. And, and, and every night I would dream about the creeper. Like he had just crept into my psyche. And similarly to the way I looked back and understood why poltergeist had affected me so deeply. I suddenly, I had this moment of realization that Jeepers Creepers is about a couple of people who are innocently driving down a path and out of nowhere, this large menacing machine apparatus appears with that is hell bent on destroying them for no reason. There's no explanation. You don't know why this is happening. Um, and in fact succeeds, it gets away right. with it. He, he, his burning hatred of these two people that didn't even know he existed before succeeds in destroying their lives. It was what it was like to live through 9-11. Exactly. Mm, yeah. And the, the, the second I realized that all my, not all my trauma, <laughs> a lot of my trauma became more manageable because some, I realized, I somehow realized that having a movie to let me work through these issues, I wasn't having nightmares about terrorists. I was having nightmares about the creeper mm -hmm. and that's kind of safer mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. And, and, um, and that, I, 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 I wish I could find the date, but yeah, I probably have it because I used to keep journals. But, but I remember the day after I had that realization, I turned to my, my roommate and, and best friend at that time, who, Josh Safran, who is now a very accomplished showrunner. Uh, and I said, I think I want to just dedicate my life to making horror movies from this point <laughs> forward. Wow. And I did. Uh, and I, and I often, you know, I credit that film for being the one that kind of crystallized for me how important horror can be to processing wow. trauma. Wow. What a, what a great last movie. Yeah. Holy cow. It's from my, I, I, I uh, um, I, I told you my 9-11 movie. It was like, uh, I may have told us the show before. Ah, who cares? It was like two or three days after all well, that happened, the first I went out and rented a movie and it was just like, I just want to watch something that I can. Yeah. And, and I ended up grabbing this, this completely, I'd never heard of it before. It's only a year old, this Australian uh, comedy drama called The Dish with Sam Neill. And, oh, yeah. and it's, it's just, it's a movie about these folks down in Australia who uh, uh, run a satellite dish. And it's about the um, Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. And for a brief period, uh, the TV signal that transmits back to earth is it's going to be their responsibility to carry it hmm. with their satellite mm -hmm. while, you know, and that's it. It's about these people in the middle of nowhere having to pull their shit together for their one bright moment in the sun. 
but it's about, it's a lovely film and it's Sam Neill. Who's just, you know, <laughs> unless he's yeah. Damien, you can't help but love Sam Neill's the best, but it's just this beautiful movie about a time when the entire world was glued to their TV set, yeah. watching something really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, I remember just like, I wept like a baby after oh. I saw it. And then a couple years later, I was at the Golden Globes and, and I saw Sam Neill walking towards me. And, you know, I've been in the business a long time. I'm, I'm pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> like, hey, how you doing? But I was like, I just walked up to him and I also said, like, I, I, I need to tell you this. Like, I want to hug you. <laughs> and I told him about the movie and he's like, oh yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> From that dish? film. Yeah. Be yeah. Wow. So interesting. But it's wow. such, it was like, it's a great film, but it was the yeah. perfect. Yeah. I would have thought Possession would be the one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that one, yeah, I get warm and fuzzy feelings over possession as well. That's an amazing. That is a funny thing we we talk about sometimes. Like you know, in the business, you you know, you you your peers are people who are in the public eye, and you become sort of inured to it. But every once in a while, there's I'm shot like I'll be starstruck by someone that surprises me. Yeah, you know, uh, like and it's it's rarely like the superstars. It's it's someone like uh like when I, I met Jonathan Winters once, and I was oh, terrified. That's not a I superstar. Was, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he sure, but you know, not like I, I. I also once, you know, I've met like Clint Eastwood, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have that feeling. But I, it, it's, it's just, the, it's the people like I think maybe they're lodged into your. Well, it's the people it, who meant something. It's the people who meant it's, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the yeah. people that. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Although I did not, I, I did. I worked on a script with Mick Jagger for a while, <gasps> which was, Whoa, what? and that's one you never. You're just, you know. Well, working with those people is even more complex. But, it's, but than, usually you're yeah. able to, you know, I've said this before, I've finally gotten over the fact that I'm, I'm sitting in a room with Joe Dante, which is, but, <laughs> but with Mick, you literally never stop going, oh, it's fucking Mick. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. And trying to be cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you you have Jerry. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I had that with Jerry Lewis. And, uh, oh, you know, and, Jesus. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, but it, 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 I don't know that it ever fully went away. I, I mean, with but, some people, it doesn't. Yeah, I, but he he would even say, you know, when we were first getting to know each other, he he'd go, "Don't worry, kid. Eventually, you're gonna relax." Like he, <laughs> you know, he'd, and I go, "No, I'm I'm pretty relaxed." He go, "No, you're not, but you will be." And, and then eventually, I did. But you know, but I think you know, my theory is that people like Jerry, he liked it. He wanted. Yeah. He craved it. He needed it. He had to have that adoration and that he needed yeah. the constant reminder that. He was a superstar, and so so. Well, Joe's like that. <laughs> <laughs> he is not. <laughs> uh, so you know, he ma he makes sure that you're thinking about it all the time, right? You know? I remember being one time being with him. We were together in France at Cannes, and and we were at some. I wish I could remember. It was a restaurant that he'd been dreaming of going back to for twenty years. Oh no, we, wait, really? Yeah, we oh, went to this restaurant. And it was like an hour away from from wow. Cannes, and and it was on the ocean. And I remember he he. Uh, he, it was the first time he said to me, all my friends are dead. Oh. Um, and then he, he, uh, he opened the window and he turned and he screamed, I'm a movie star. Like out to the, <laughs> out to the ocean. And I, I was like, my God, this is like my favorite year. This is <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> An amazing moment to have been present for. See, I, wonder, oh, I want, incredible. I want him to say all my friends were dead and then to just start chuckling. That's well, he would. He would. He would sit. He would about that. Would sit together, he would open his address book and he'd and he'd flip through and show me all the crossouts. He goes, oh, dead, 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 huh. dead, 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 dead. He'd flip through. There was oh, nobody wow. left. Every wow. time a friend of his died, he would painstakingly draw a line through their name. Wow. Landis was talking about Let, all Yeah, he was. Passed yeah. away. Too. But yeah, Rickles. And, yeah. I have a Rolodex full of people that um, have passed away, and I just can't. Yeah. First of all, I'm the only one who uses a Rolodex. But do you really have a role? I do. Yeah. And I, but I can't I can't throw them out. I like no, I like to I like to keep them. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. 
Well, so so Josh, you would suggest you you when you invite us. Oh, I've got one last. Oh, I'm so one yeah. Last yeah. All right, hey, 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 hey. That was terrible. <laughs> I, that was a terrible, terrible look. No, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. That was an amazing look. I just were, uh, yeah. So the last the last movie uh, is Elias Marriage's Begotten. Oh yeah, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just serves as I don't know why it's the last film I've chosen. I think it's because it it had it's probably the last thing I remember really truly disturbing me. Okay. And I think this, so it's so disturbing. Oh, and no. the story around it's, it's just, a, it was that thing of, I, I was at, um, back when the Virgin Megastore was still a thing, <laughs> at the complex where the Sunset Five was still a thing. Um, my sister and I would go there all the time. We'd go, you know, watch movies. Like that complex was a real beacon. Mm -hmm. um, and their DVD selection was great. Yeah. And so the bookstore and the DVD store, were I'd frequent and the CD store as well. We're up in the DVD section, and on one of the end caps was this a series of of this movie begotten on an end cap as like presenting this film. Just it had just been released on DVD. I'd never heard of it before, but the front image of the of the DVD is of a pretty early moment in the film. It's very iconic if you know the movie, where it's this woman. Yeah thing <laughs> yeah sitting on a on a chair and stabbing itself and it's black and white and it's like yeah. um the, the 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 film stock that he used yeah. is super degraded so the it's blood is just like black it's yeah. black ooze yeah. yeah and so that's on the cover <laughs> and i can't make out what the fuck it is <laughs> but it is so utterly disturbing and fascinating and intriguing I pick it up and I'm looking at it and I'm sure it had some very glowing things to say on the front and back. And my, I look at my sister and I was like, this looks great. She's like, Whoa, all right. <laughs> so I get it and we take it home and we watch it that night. So we throw it in because I'm like very excited about what, is, what this is going to show us. And we get 15 to 20 minutes into the movie and I turn it off. Really? And I didn't revisit it for years because it was too much. It was too disturbing to, to, to both of us. We, it, it, and I, I've never done that before wow. since. I feel like, I mean, I've seen it a thousand years ago. It's non-narrative, am I right? It or is. is it it, well, it's, it is non-verbal narrative. Yeah, okay. so there's a narrative, but it's, it's not. It there's no dialogue. Dream state yeah, yeah. And, it, and the soundtrack is, um, it, it's sort of like atmospheric. Mm. It's not really musical, but there's a lot of noise. You hear in the very beginning, you hear a lot of like um, cricket sounds outside, yeah. and but the 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 sound design is actually very good and super effective. Yeah. Like when that woman thing is stabbing herself and then ejaculates on itself. You remember that, right? No. Oh I'm yeah. Sorry. I don't. So there's like oh yeah. There's, so there's like this weird. It's impressive. Yeah, I'm there's sure. This weird thing I where am there's sure. There's like the cutting open of a stomach. Just constantly in this, and and you're hearing no nothing, no no music. It's just the sound yeah. of what's happening. And then there's like some, there's a very very cl a close shot on a different um, substance that isn't blood or black. That's white, and it just spreads all over this area. Mm -hmm. And then it gets mixed in with Ugh. the blood. And my sister and I are like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> this is incredible, but I can't anymore. It's too much. And we turned it off. When did you finally see the whole thing? Uh, seven years ago or something. Was it when we 
Greenbay? It was around okay. around that yeah, time. Like getting it. to know Elias. And yeah, yeah. We show, we brought him out and showed it at Spectre Fest. Yeah. Oh, okay. so I think that may have been the first time okay. I watched it all the wow. way through. Amazing. Oh, I loved nice. it. Did you tell him that story? I don't think I have. Oh, my God. They'll oh, now he now. can hear it. Now, now he can hear <laughs> it. Now yeah. The now magic of podcast. Um, but yeah, that, that film, it's... There are a few movies that have made that kind of impact on me. Um, that, that, yeah. Have you seen it, Joe? No, I haven't seen it. It's really something. I mean, it, they, imagine you're dying to. Well, <laughs> I, I just I remember finding it disturbing. It. In the, yeah. But it reminds me for some... It's an art film. This really. is not a horror film, but have, it's a documentary film. Have you seen Dawson City, Frozen in Time, or Frozen Time? Wait a second. What is this again? It's the one you've seen, it, right? Where they find the, they, the, they, the film. They find these old film canisters uh, in Alaska. Films. Yes, yeah. in, buried. Yeah, and they've, yes. the, the effect that I've the not seen the weather film. has had on them. And then Ooh. it's this documentary about this place because all these movies would. It was a gold mining town. Yeah. yeah. And what would happen is these movies would, you know, they travel all over the country and this would be their last stop. Right. It was basically like, you don't have to return this when you're done because these movies look like shit to begin with because they've been showed for a sure. year the and they would just throw prints. them into these holes and they found them 70 years later and they're perfectly preserved well they're frozen well no but they're, they're weirdly because they've weirdly no, i mean they, they've, they've they're also yeah they're, they're yeah there's various states of decomposition really fascinating and for some reason it reminds me of that film because there's a really interesting aesthetic to the natural decomposition of this stuff oh man documentaries it's an amazing I film got to see that yeah you're Not the, you're the third all. or fourth or fifth person that's recommended that film so i've got to see on, it uh, on blu-ray Oh, so okay. oh, it is? Okay, great. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, all I've ever begotten is, is, is seeing it and having a reaction. Yeah. And that's it. I don't remember any of this stuff. So clearly. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll wake up at four o'clock this morning. What's movie. wrong? I'll go fucking Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, all right. Now I'll do it. Sorry. Okay. Go for yeah, it. So, so Josh, you would, when you invite us to come on, you would suggest that maybe we surprise people and do our favorite comedies to which I said, no, but, uh, we, but like we, to thought, go, we like to go against, you know, <laughs> uh, but we thought it would be fun if we just quickly rattle through just without any kind of, uh, uh exploration. We just, we just, we each listed our five favorite comedies. Oh, okay. fantastic. Yeah. So we'll just Ready? do it real quick. All right. Who goes first? One for one or just one? I'll just, uh, or just do one, you, you, one, one for one. You go first. Okay. Uh, Groundhog Day. Yeah. After Hours. Okay. Oh, God. That's so good. Thought of it on the right. And I only over. just recently saw that for the yeah. first time. All right. Not to, but both of these vaguely tap into horror yeah, they get in a little way. Yeah. Just yeah. Kind of, yeah. Groundhog Day and After yeah. Hours. Yeah. After Hours is a very weird, disturbing, dark. I love that. I love it too. The Jerk. Not well. Not a horror film. Bob and Carol and Ted Nellis. Oh. I've never seen it. It's a comedy? Oh, yeah. It's so oh, good. It's a comedy. It's, a, it's right. so my got, I, I it. finally saw it for the first time. Oh, wow. And and my It's a couple swapping. Uh, I wouldn't thing, say right? I, my It's a portrait of its era. Right. Yeah. My like early 70s. towards Paul Mazursky, which is what? lifelong. What? Blown out of the water by Bob and Carol Ted Nelson. It's fucking amazing. Oh my God, I think it's he's one of the most amazing. underrated filmmakers, American filmmakers ever. If like you had I, said that I, to I, me six months ago, I'd go, get the fuck up now. I'm like, yeah, are you kidding me? Bob yeah, so the first one he saw was The Pickle. Was that? The Pickle? the first one he saw. So, it. Okay, you're next. Oh, I said The Jerk. And then I said Bob and Carol and Ted Oh, Nelson. word. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yes. Okay, uh, Uncle Buck. Really? No. Oh, huh. Okay. Yep. Um, Bottle Rocket. Yeah, yeah. Step Brothers, despite having a terrible ending, is just for pure laughs. I've probably seen it 10 times. 
I've never seen it still to this day. And that is a so major bone of contention. No, we have the same it's, fifth film. And the same at the same time. Okay, Ready? Wait, wait, one, one, two, three. With, with Nail and I. I. Oh, Scrubbers! <laughs> oh, man. It's, that's one of, that is yeah. one of my favorite films of same. all time. How did you have the same? God, now I'm blanking on the name. What was the movie last year with Melissa McCarthy? Uh, where, where uh, oh, yeah. Can you, um, uh, can you forgive me? Can you, yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? Ever forgive me. You know, yeah. for me. I mean, it's a lovely film. It's a Sorry. wonderful film. He just made every time he was on screen, it made me so happy. I know. It was like that. Yeah, he's really that's one of his greatest roles. You're channeling with Nail. Yeah. I'm just getting I, a little time with With Nail. Yeah. With Nail is his greatest role. It, yeah, well, that course. and and yeah. I will say, How to Get Ahead in Advertising. How to, yes, that's a, wet, it that's a killer it double feature. It's also it, it, great, but With Nail is just not. It's on another level. I agree. But another great performance from Richard Grant. Yeah, it's great. But With Nail is. Oh, it's magnificent. His speech at the end of the film is. Heartbreaking. Yeah. I am always fascinated yeah. by stuff like that. We talk oh. like uh, um, in uh, <laughs> so, in Mulholland like Drive, equal parts, uh, know, and, and tragic, Laura, totally devastating. Uh, Despair. Uh, oh yeah. my god! Oh, what's the name? I know. Me too. Yeah. What's the name of the young Naomi Watt? Naomi Watt. Uncle Monty that wants yeah. to constantly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Monty. Cat. He's obese, and he says, "His cat says it's obsessed with its gut." But there's there's this thing to that last scene. I think the only one I can think of that's similar is Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive when she does that audition oh, where you yes. have a killer yes, scene yeah, in the yeah. film that depends you almost have to write on the page what follows is one of the greatest performances you're ever going to see in a movie <laughs> right. and the movie doesn't work if it's not right. if Whitnail doesn't reveal himself yeah. to be yeah. a world-class Shakespearean yeah. actor yeah. in the last minute of Whitnail and I it's a completely different film so you're true. so right because why have you gone through this journey yeah. Yeah. in that way and imagine, I mean, that's oh, man. it's so validating but that's what makes doesn't it so he tragic alter, yeah. aren't there, doesn't he make slight alterations to the speech as well like the, I seem to remember my friends who were big sure. Shakespeare nerds going, oh, no, no, he, he changed a few things. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the, no idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know either. Yeah, I'm not no a Shakespeare idea, nerd. Nor am I. <laughs> and not even, and so I, my favorite speech in that film is still the, the drug dealer with the, uh, oh, yeah. You know, what is, we, we have, we have failed, we have failed to paint it black. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> if you've been, what is the word you use? Spiked or dope? If you, you've been dosed by me. You will know you. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember that. Yeah. That guy's great. He takes his glasses w- off and his eyes. Yeah, his eyes are just bonkers. Are they drinking lighter fluid at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. yeah. They do drink yeah. lighter yeah. fluid. Yeah. There's, there's just rats nothing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel, is it, um, when they hit the road, is it uh, Crosstown Traffic? By, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when George Harrison produces your movie. You can get, oh, any, yeah. you can get any songs Isn't you want. Jimmy Hendrix? It's Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. Crosstown Traffic by Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. Which is such an awesome yeah. song, never yeah. used by him yeah. ever. Yeah. It's not yeah. a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. cool when they no, hit the road. It's such an awesome moment. It's such certainly a, been a wide ranging discussion. It, it has. <laughs> um, so uh, Daniel and Elijah, I thank, thank you. you so very much. Thank you, uh, thank you for having us. Absolute fun. blast. Um, Unplug yeah. their podcast one more time. They plugged it so many fucking times. <laughs> it's called Visitation. You feel threatened. Plug it Josh? again. You Plug it again. It's on Shutter. It's on a different uh, network. Uh, anywhere you get podcasts. Yeah, and we do. So we've done. Uh, we we had the, the the concept of the show is we go to the homes of the of, of the people that we're interviewing. Um, we interview them in their living room, and uh, we've done Taika Waititi and Dan Harmon and uh, Flying Lotus, Flying Lotus, and John Landis, Hannah's Cosmatos, Anna Lilia Mirpour, Darte. Whoever I'm forgetting now. Yeah, that might be it. Is that is that all nine? I think we skipped somebody. somebody. Oh, nine. Well, there's a there's a a tenth coming, which we can't quite talk about yet. Nine. Yeah, we did fifty weeks ago. That's our first season, you guys. Yeah, it's only season one. Oh, our first season we did. Yeah, yeah. Pikers, scrubbers. 
Say, Joe, looks like we've got a few minutes. You want to check out the movies that made me mailbag? Gosh, that sounds like a wonderful idea, Josh. Philip, only one name. Are we recording? Philip uh, writes in to ask. Like Liberace, he's only got one name. That's true, Liberace. Um, Cher. Um, uh, does The Edge, is that count as one name or is that two? I was at a restaurant a while back and and he was there with, uh, with, with his wife and I, I uh, a friend of mine pointed out, I did he said, that's the edge and his wife. And I was like, do you call her Mrs. The Edge? Mrs. Edge. Mrs. The Edge. Julie Edge. Mrs. The Edge. Um, who can we petition to be on the podcast? Who would you like? Who are like the dream guests that you would like to get that would be hard? I, I have a few. Oh, you mean besides Donald Trump? I don't want Donald Trump on this show. Sure you do. Why, why would you, what would you say to him? What would you? I have a lot of things to say. To <laughs> but we don't do that. Yeah, that's oh. the problem. Oh, okay. okay. Like what, what kind right. of, although that thing with him and Citizen Kane, which I, anyone who hasn't seen Donald Trump talking about Citizen Kane on YouTube, should check it out. I think that's the only movie he actually sat through. I'm not sure he ever sat through. Oh no, I think, I think, yeah, he does. He relates to it in a weird way. Yeah, he, he, he does. But I, but the fact that it begins with him dying, I think yeah. kind of puts him off. That, that's right. Um, uh, but anybody, anybody you like that you would want to be on the show, Joe? Um, I've been very happy with the quality of guests that we've had. I don't would say they're not great. I just like a dream. I'll, okay, I'll run through. I made a list here with it. Um, I would love to have, um, uh, if not both of them, at least uh, Lana Wachowski. Um, I fucking love the Wachowskis. I would love to hear them talk about the kind of movies that inspired them along mm-hmm. the way. A um, uh, friend of yours. Uh, Joe, friend of Joe Dante's, uh, John Waters. Love to have John Waters on the show. Um, yes, we should have John. We gotta, he's going to be in town. Should have John. He's going to be in town. He's going to be in town. I have, I have tickets for his Christmas show. We should I, also get John Sales. Uh, John Sales for sure. Absolutely. Um, last word. And then to round out the Johns, John Carpenter would be a, uh, one. That would be, uh, does he do podcasts? He, well, he did mix. Oh, that's right. He did, did mix. Um, and he does like movies. Yes, I've heard that. I, uh, <laughs> um, and I've, I've, I've seen movies where you can tell he's seen other movies. Um, uh, I would also, I would love to get Boots Riley on. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved his movie last year and he's a fantastic presence on Twitter. Um, in the sort of non-filmmaker vein, uh, uh, I would kill. I think he'd be an ama- he's amazing whatever he talks about, but I'd love to get Cornell West on. Mm-hmm. I bet you Cornell West loves movies, and I bet you he's got some interesting things to say. Do these people know that we're importuning them? Uh, well, hopefully. I mean, this little thing, you put it out there, who knows on social media, you know? You never know. Um, some musicians, I would love to get some musicians. The, the, the top of my, I would love to get Bruce Springsteen and Chuck D, as long as we're aiming high. Uh, that would be fun. And people have commented, and we should discuss this for a minute. I think we've been doing a little better lately. Um, uh, there have not been quite as many women and people of color on this show as they would not without, not because we don't try. And that's, yeah, no. And it's, it's, you know, but we, we exist in a business. Look, we, we do this show. We reach out to people we know who work in the business and we work in a business that has been dominated by schlubs like us for a hundred years. So the majority of people we know who work in this business are, are schmucky white guys like us. Um, but we, we have been trying and we will continue to try. And anybody who wants to approach us, we'd love to hear from them too. Um, cause, uh, it's, it's nice to, it's nice to hear what people who don't, uh, look and sound just like you think as well. Occasionally, Joe, not, <laughs> not to be crazy. Um, Greedo is Goodo. That's an interesting question. I like it. It's a Sunday afternoon and you both feel a bit crap with runny noses. What films do you watch to make you feel better? 
Hmm. Virus. Virus? Yeah. Um, outbreak. <laughs> a panic in the streets. Um, These are all movies about disease. The killer that stalked New York. I think it's all, just like you're, all you're pictures just, about germs. You're just gonna lie in bed on a gray day and watch something. <laughs> well, you just wallow, you know, you're in just, disease you're, movies. Because you're not, you may be sick, but you're not as sick as they are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, uh, my go-to for some reason is World of Henry Orient. It always just takes me away to a sort of happier place. I don't know why. Um, I love that movie. Uh, I also like old Avengers episodes, black and white ones. Oh, Avengers episodes are the cure uh, for everything. They are, they are the best. <laughs> they are just absolutely the best. Um, Seth Burdick, uh, Joe and Josh. Oh, this Joe and Josh. Love the show. Your insights and humor are always a highlight to my week. I was curious to hear your thoughts about the apparent shelving of the movie The Hunt. Oh, you mean the, the new the, one, the most dangerous game. 52. Yeah. 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 This is, um, well, the hunt is a movie, um, uh, along the lines of the most dangerous game, which is, as everybody knows, is a story about people who are hunted by a big game hunter who hunts human beings. Um, and it was, you know, Richard Connell wrote the original story. It was done as a, uh, early talkie in 1933. And it's been Ripped, there was another remake uh, called Run for the Sun, and uh, Game of Death was a remake that used footage from the other picture. It's been done a, a lot of times under different names, and it's been stolen for a lot of other pictures that have names that you probably wouldn't even recognize. Um, so it's, it's a trope. Uh, a damn one. The thing about The Hunt, however, yes. is that apparently, and no one that I know has seen it, um, the, the, the gimmick is that the... People who are hunting the uh, prey are um, sort of uh, elite liberal types, and the the prey are the MAGA people. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen the trailer. And I I'm, think that's the premise. Yeah, no, and it's and I'm sort of yeah, and I'm familiar enough with the the, the director's work, and you just it, it's so clear. Uh, well, I don't keep keep going, and then I'll. Well, I mean, I, I in in today's climate, I was kind of surprised that a picture like that would get beyond the planning stage, let alone get shot and and have a trailer and be on the release slate. Uh, now, speaking of the Second Civil War, you know, uh, that's that's something that seems to maybe be in the offing, right, in our future. <laughs> And this seemed like a, a, a plan to accelerate it. <laughs> oh, I don't see. I, I just, my, my sense when I watched the trailer, I thought this, A, this looks great. And B, this is going to make a trillion dollars because they think they did something really smart in a, I, I don't think cynical way. Um, and I have, a, I have an interesting theory as to why Donald Trump did everything he could to put the kibosh on it. Um, but it, it seemed to, it was so clear that the villains were these kind of noxious coastal elite types that, um, you know, like Bradley Whitford played in Get Out and the people they're going after are just, you know, sort of working class rural folks, um, which I think taps into something far beyond just the sort of MAGA versus, you know, Democrats kind of thing. Cause I think it's something that everybody can tap into. And, and I think what, uh, and it's, it's bizarre to me because the film is so clearly on the side of the people who are being hunted as all those movies are, no one's going to make that movie or the people who are hunting are the good guys and the good guys are always one percenters. Um, 
and the film is so clearly about these people triumphing over those folks, or even if they don't, at least you're on their side. Uh, and I don't think even Trump is so stupid as to believe that the movie was endorsing what it was showing. I, I think it's bad for him if a populist movie gets out that shows wealthy people hunting working class people for sport. I think it's not a direction he wants his followers to be looking or thinking in any particular way. Because, you know, if ever there was a one percenter who has probably hunted humans in his backyard, it's, it's the Trump family. So I, I think it was, it was, I don't want to attribute anything savvy to him, but I think trying to portray it the way he did kind of worked to his benefit. Well, I think it's also interesting that there is another film that's come out, uh, coming out this weekend, um, about, uh, a, uh, a woman who is marrying into a very oh, right. uh, rich family, uh, that has this, uh, little peccadillo, yeah. <laughs> which is that anybody who wants to be in the family has to be, has to consent to be hunted. Yeah. Uh, and if they can survive the hunt, then they can be a member of the family and have, and have luxurious riches right. and yachts and all that stuff. Uh, but as similar as that premise is, no one has jumped on that. Right. Well, it's not, yeah, it's also not so overt, I think, when you, when you look at least from the trailers. But I think there's there's definitely, you know, What's look, movies, I, I don't remember. That's terrible of me. The, um, the, uh, but you know, movies are often tapping into the zeitgeist and the whole kind of eat the rich thing is, is definitely boiling up. I mean, we are, uh, I think we are perilously close to dragging out the guillotines and I think all of these movies are tapping into that sense that's out there. And again, like I say, I think, I think, you know, uh, that, that is not, that is not an idea or a theme that, um, our sitting president is going to take lightly to, um, but ready or not, ready or not is the name of the film. Uh, Chad Ratarek with a W that actually might be a real name. Um, what are some of the movies that have changed the most for the two of you as you've revisited them over the years? Well, a good movie always changes, uh, because you change. You're not the same person. I mean, I always, I always look back at eight and a half, which I saw when I was a teenager and was, a, I thought was a, a movie about a certain thing, about people making movies. And then I got a little older and I discovered that there were there was more going on in that movie than I had understood when I was a kid, and then of course I became a part of the movie business, which gave me a completely different aspect of it. I would say every I, I watch that picture like maybe every ten years, and it's always a different movie mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a different person. But it's a it's a measure of how good the movie is that it ha- it contains all of these layers and all yeah. these mysteries to be to be solved, and and I think it's true of any any work of art, including books and music, that. Um, who you are when you come to it uh, changes your perception of it. So there are things you can look back on fondly that you loved when you were a kid and then discover that, A, they're embarrassingly not really very good, uh, and, but there are certain still things that uh, appeal to you about it, but you and you understand a little bit more about who you were, but it's not who you are now. Yeah. Well, we've talked about you, you, you and several other people talked to me into going back to Blow Up, which I absolutely love now, and I realized I had not seen probably the last time I'd seen it, I was not um, making a living creating things. And and boy, does that change your perspective on that film. Um, Albin always changes for me, uh, almost always for the better. Um, and then I would say- Except probably, for Quintet. Uh, well, I mean the good ones. I, <laughs> I, but I also, um, uh, there, there's a probably, I, I may cut this, it might be an embarrassing overshare, but I've always liked, I'm not a big musical guy, I've always liked um, uh, My Fair Lady. 
And I find the older I get, the the more work I have to do to remind myself that Henry Higgins is not the good guy in that movie. Um, <laughs> it's a terrible thing to admit that you identify with someone like that. But I don't know if I identify with him. I find him more sympathetic every time I see it. Because he, he does all this stuff for her and she's not grateful. Come on. And that's about all we have time for this week. But we'll be hitting the mailbag from time to time. Feel free to drop us a line at ask at trailersfromhell.com. If we like your question, we'll answer it. If we don't, we'll ignore it. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.